Hey, I'm Eric Tornberg, and welcome to another episode of Maker Stories, where we explore what makes the makers, what drives them, what they're scared of, how they make sense of the world, and everything in between. This week's episode is with Tahani Jones. Tahani is a former NFL player, a book author, and founder of Proclamation. This episode, we talk about life after the NFL, his transition into the business world, the NFL as an organization, misconceptions about football players, race in America, and much more. All right, here's Donnie. Welcome to Pods on Live. It's a pleasure to, and honor to have you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad I'm able to represent with the bow ties, um, also represent in Cincinnati, uh, represent former NFL player. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad we, we finally set this up. You know, there's been a lot of people um, that have talked so positively about Product Hunt Live, and I just, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Um, so we'll start with this. When people ask you, what do you do? Uh, I say, I'm, I, I just make bow ties. <laughs> I tell people I make, I make bow ties. And, and you know, and it's, it's funny because I, I oftentimes get wrapped up in um, all of the ancillary um, businesses that I've been so privileged to work on with so many people, but I do many times um, defer to bow ties because at the end of the day, it's about the greatest service to others. So whether I'm investing in companies through key or whether I'm um, supplying, you know, labor workforce and healthcare and IT through higher staffing or whether I'm providing creative services um, with a transparent and a purpose-driven way through proclamation. Um, all of those are basically servicing or service to others. And so when I always think about the bow tie, it always brings me back to center and also the reason why. Yeah. So you spent you know, 11 years in the NFL, fantastic career. Uh, I'm curious, when you finished, what did you think you were going to do next? Or how do you even begin to think about life after football? You know, obviously doing so many things now, but tell, take us through that. No, I, I think the evolution starts if you're smart enough to predict it at the very, um, at the very beginning of, of the time that you play the game of football, because you know that by definition, it's not going to be for long. I know there's, there's a couple books that are coming out. Um, is it NFL Confidential that's going to talk a lot about people's perception or one man's perception? There's movies coming out, concussion, and there's there's a lot of uh, controversy that's happened over the last you know couple of years. Really. It? Well, I think controversy is it, it, by virtue of controversy occurring, it it is warranted because it's conversation. Um, controversy is more the the terminology. Um, but by virtue of people not having the same opinions, it's con it's controversial. Um, but I think that because so many people are talking about it, it's something that needs to be discussed. It's something that is at the top of people's minds, and, you know. And, and right now, because there are there are so many outlets, um, social of which we're on right now, or, or you know, digital of which we're on right now, or um, mainstream media. People are talking about it and people are abuzz. And so people want to know really what's going on. So, you know, going back to your former question in terms of transition or life after the game of football, you have to prepare from the time that you step on the field. And I think it's also pre prepare yourself from the life lessons that you learn along the way from the coaches and from the players and from the people. You know, I talked about it in my book, The Sportsman talking about how instrumental your coach is, but how instrumental your friends are, but also the situations that you're put into from a football perspective and as that translates into the world of business. 
So I was always keen on doing different things, albeit I had to make sure I focused on football because if I, if I didn't make the play on fourth and one, I'd be out of a job. And so I made sure that I made those plays on fourth and one. And going into the transition, it's also being aware of the people that are around you and opportunities that exist. And so in conversation with my friend Luke Raymond, as we started VMG Creative, in conversations um, with my friend Pete and Al over at Redline Films, and when we started, uh, uh, my first show that I ever did was on ESPN2. It was called Timeless. I mean, that was just so far back. And working with the NFL Network when they first started, and now moving up to the ranks of working with NBC and, and, and working with Spike TV and having a chance to work with CNN and, and having a chance to, to work with all these different amazing networks um, in the television space. And then also being able to translate that into the world of creativity, now having two agencies, one being VMG Creative and another one being Proclamation. And, um, and being able to diversify myself, but also being able to invest with people and companies and key capital but going back, as I said before, what is the reason why? And thinking about bow ties and thinking about really a service to others. So regardless, if I'm on a network or whether I'm working with a business or whether I'm investing in a company um, and thinking about to the game of football, when you're playing out as an individual, you lose. But when you're playing as a team, you win. And so we consistently, day in and day out, think about how do we win as a team? What do you want your legacy post-football to be, you know, what do we want? You know, people to say that, oh, Donnie Johnson was a great football player, but after, you know, he was known for X. No, X is he took uh, he took his ego out of the equation and allowed others, including himself, to give back to others to to give back. It's been many times that I get asked that question, and it's also I think it's the most it's I think it's also an amazing question to ask people because a lot of times they get stumped. Um, because your legacy is almost like a selfish place that you want to be. But at the same time, if you're truly not selfish, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to kind of intersect the two. But, yeah, it's, it's really a, a life where I spent time ser- you know, with service to others. You know, you think back, okay, Mark Zuckerberg just dedicated, what, 99% of his net worth in order to philanthropy and service. And people, philanthropy, people have their own opinions about that. I think it's, it's not enough for some people, not 45 yet. million. Well, you know, it's a lot of money, you know, um, you know, uh, Bill Gates does the same thing. Steve Jobs is the same thing. President Obama will, is going to do the same thing with my brother's keeper. I mean, people who have spent their life hard, hard days work and everything that they do, um, you realize at the end of the day, you can't take it all with you. But most importantly, if you've affected more people along the, along the way, um, then that's, uh, then you've really, you've really done something. Yeah, you 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 have all these endeavors, you know, in, across fields. Do, what's your uh, sort of philosophy in terms of where you want to be spending your time and how you empower other people to take the lead? Um, and how do you think about you know managing across industry? Well, everything that I work on, other people are far more intelligent than me, so they're the ones that are really leading it. You know, it's like I walk into a room, and as much as I talk about bow ties, people say, "Oh, he's just that football player over there." Right. And I think that uh, you quickly learn in the world of business, um, sometimes perception is reality. So if perception is reality, I'm just a football player, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I've surrounded myself with intelligent, intelligent people um, 
that are far better versed than I'll ever be. And it's about being selfless in working with them so that they can be successful. I can be successful too, but we can be successful together. How do we create a community of success? Um, you know, one of the organizations, and you know it, Summit is a great organization where it's a community of success. How do we work together to allow each other to thrive? How do we allow each other to become better? Um, and how do we help each other do that? Um, I want to go back to the last question you asked me to about the legacy. I, I still want to, aside from service, it's also looking at, you know, I, I played NFL for 11 years. How do I, how do I destroy? And I'm talking about destroy the negative stereotypes that are associated um, with those that play the game. I want to, I want to destroy those. Um, and, and personally, it's also thinking about, you know, African-American athletes. Um, there's so much negative press. How can I be a force of positivity? How can I, how do I unite with all of, of you to create a, a positive version of what should come about once you transition out of the game of football? How can I help you? How can we work together to do things um, for a greater, uh, a greater good? And tell us more about that. What are the common pitfalls, you know, that football players or other athletes find after, after leaving? The right. I think here's the one thing which most people don't realize when you, when you play football and someone realizes that you're good, you're immediately um, encircled. You're immediately put into this nest where everybody that has their hands on you wants something, but everybody that has their hands on you wants to protect you from, from others. So as you increasingly get better and better and start jumping from high school to college, you know, you start becoming that much more insulated and then you get to the pros, you're that much more insulated. So um, the one thing that needs to happen is that you start going outside of your insulation to identify great people that have intelligence and wherewithal and resume and tenure so that they can be a part of that world. And a lot of people make the error because they don't find the right people. They don't find the right person. I think, you know, you look at LeBron, he's done a great job with Maverick and my friend Jamal and doing, you know, they have shows on TV, they have investments that they've made. Um, they've done a great job. Irving Magic Johnson, what he's been able to do with different brands and diversify himself. Uh, Roger Stahlbach, who's probably, they say, one of the, one of the wealthiest players that has, that has transitioned. I mean, those are three people that we hear about, but that's three. We need more. When you think about, when I think about my university, the University of Michigan, so everybody that's out there, you all know where I went to school, the yeah. University of Michigan, established in 1817. It's the greatest university in the world. You know, there's a reason why the ratio of success is so high. Um, and there's a lot. The ratio of success in the league, I'm not sure of the percentage, but we need more. Right. Right. Uh, and we were at Summit together with uh, Domkin Sue, who's also surrounded himself, you know, with mentors like Dan Beals. He's hanging out with Warren Buffett. Yeah. Domkin Sue is hanging out with Warren Buffett. I keep the article on my desktop to read every day. And I'm waiting for Warren to call me or, you know what? I probably just have to call him. Because, <laughs> you know, you know, his partner, he went to Michigan. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's one thing, you know, I'll give you some advice as I'm looking at the names of the people. Maybe that's Nancy across the top. Does she show up? Maybe so. But, you know, one of the things I, that I do a lot is, um, well, not do a lot. Once the thing I do once a week, I call up, I call up a CEO of a company.
I call it the founder of a business. Mm-hmm. You think about the w- movie Wall Street. You know, a lot of people watching. Maybe some people have seen it. Maybe some people haven't. The, the art of the cold call is one of the greatest arts that you could never learn unless you start cold calling people. And everybody thinks, well, you maybe cold call like certain level. No, go right to the top. Right. All of them. They want to talk to you because going back to talking about talk about football, they've too been isolated, right? So it's important for you to take them out of their isolation and find a point of connectivity. And talking about business, we'll get to the game in a sec. What's been the most difficult obstacle in transitioning from your athletic career to business? Uh, I'd say there's a lot of obstacles and I can't list all of them. I would say the one that people probably don't talk about as much is understanding that the world is not a locker room. (laughs) (laughs) The world is not a locker room. People are sensitive. (laughs) People are sensitive. People don't always like to be joked with. Um, You know, people don't always, you know, warm up to lightheartedness and immaturity. You know, in the the locker room, that's just, it's just what we do. It's not all hang out. (laughs) It's what? Not all men, you know. It's not all men. You know, it's, it's like in the locker room, it's a completely different culture. And the world is not always, uh, is, is, the world is not the locker room. So I think that one of the biggest hurdles for anybody that's played a team sport, you know, you play team sports and then all of a sudden you go from team sports to, to the business room and, all, and it's a bunch of people that haven't played sports. They just don't get it. Like, why are you coming in being loud? Why are you coming in, hit me on the back and just joking with me? Why are you trying to slap, slap the food off my table? Just making jokes, you know? Why are you talking about my, you know, like, why are you making fun of me? Like, people get really sensitive. It's just a completely different world. So aside from uh, setting your own schedule, aside from finding your own mentors, aside from allowing people to understand that you have intelligence outside of the game, so that they can get to know, like, and trust you. Aside from all that, it's just the world is not a locker room. Yeah. How about if you own your own company, you can make it like a locker room. <laughs> True. How have you gone about finding uh, your own mentors? Uh, I, I would say I'll come. I'll come back right back to Summit. You know, when it was 2010, 2010. Um, I got to know uh, Jeff Rosenthal and Elliot Bisnell from from Summit. And I met a lot of people um, within that within that one room. Um, one of the guys, um, one of the guys I got to know, a guy named uh, Michael Madnick. He kind of sat me down and he said, "You know what? We need to go through a life plan." And I was like, "Life plan? I've been planning my whole life." He's like, "No, no, no. We need to sit down and map out this life plan." And to make a very long story, three days of twelve hours of work outlining stuff. One of the most impactful pieces was he said, write down all the people that made an impact on you since, you know, since you can remember uh, transitioning from, you know, University of Michigan. So write down all the people, you know, when I was in New York playing for the Giants, um, when I was in Philadelphia playing for the Eagles, when I was in Cincinnati uh, playing for the Bengals, write down that list and then go talk to them, find out find out what do they see for you in your future? What do they see? What do they say in terms of um, your transition? And so that's how it first started. And then it just built from there. 
And so I think a lot of times we're so fast to move forward on from life that um, we forget that the past has told us so much. And oftentimes in business, you know, you have to you have to think about the past and you have to think about how it sets you on the course. And many of the people that have come from your past have very uh, have relevance in your present day and in your future. You have to be humble enough to take one step back and realize that it's not even a step back. It's really a leap forward because you've acknowledged where you've come from. And so spend time with them and they'll help you propel yourself forward. And that's how I found my mentors. And then it's snowballed from them there. Besides that, I just called up everybody that went to the University of Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest network in the world. It's the biggest network, the most amount of um, alumni in the world. And I'm, and I'm very, very proud of my uh, institution of incredible learning. Mm -hmm. And how did that lead to uh, investing in tech? Uh, you know, it's... Um, I, I was in, I, I'm in the middle of it. You know, I'm, I'm 37 years old. So I've seen my friends start big tech companies. I've seen, uh, seen the world where we were using uh, overhead projectors. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember the first cell phone when it came out and I remember people carrying around in the bag. I remember my parents had the, the, the hand dial phone that was in the middle of my dad's Caprice classic where it had the antenna and the little wrap and you had to call an operator and talk to them. I mean, I remember this. So I've kind of lived through it and um, being in Cincinnati, you know, I've seen a lot of big companies, older companies here that have been the, if you will, uh, aircraft carriers of the world that need to change their position. So listen to the older companies that have been, uh, in business for a long time, legacy companies. And I watched new businesses occur. And I thought that being in Cincinnati, seeing those companies and seeing the new ones, there was a great position to say, okay, well, your business would be great for here. So how do I invest knowing that I can be a part of the growth of a business, right? So not necessarily just be a passive investor. First and foremost, listen to the founder and see if they need help. And then secondarily, knowing that if you're a good founder, you always ask for help, then identifying ways that as an investor, I can help put them in with other businesses that can allow them to thrive. So, um, so being a, a child of transition with, um, within the tech world, sitting right within an analog city that needs to become more tech oriented. Now, companies like the brand, um, organizations like the Brandery and Centrifuge and UpTech and Mortar, um, all within Cincinnati and Ocean have done a great job, but we can all do more. Um, so that's how I found myself investing in, uh, in technology, but also understanding that that world is here and I want to be a part of it. And have you resolved you know, for a long time to be in Cincinnati? Or did you think, hey, I could maybe have even a bigger tech impact in San Francisco or, or New York? Or here, here, comes, um, here, here comes fact number 344 about Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you can get to three quarters of the United States in a day's travel. So I know everybody right now is sitting on the East Coast trying to figure out how come they can't go anywhere because of the snow. But in Cincinnati, we can go everywhere regardless if it snows or not. Because I can just jump in the car and I can be there within a day's travel while you all are still stuck in the Lincoln Tunnel, Holland Tunnel. You guys are stuck on 495. You guys are stuck on 95. You guys are, you guys are stuck in Philadelphia on the Schuylkill Parkway. I mean, you guys are stuck all over the place. Right now, I can just jump in the car and just drive because there's no traffic. That's another fact of Cincinnati. 
Yeah. So let's get into the game a little bit. What are the you know, most common misconceptions people have, uh, either positive or negative, uh, about NFL players? I think the number one misconception and um, the number one stereotype is that we're not intelligent. I mean, that is the biggest misnomer in the history of the game of football. Think about it. Okay. Our playbook is this big, all right? This big. All right, you see how big my head is? That's how big our playbook is. I'm just giving you a little bit of proportion, all right? I should get some high fives for that. I see the box. That's my head. That's how big the playbook is. I swear to you, that's how big it is. It right. is page on page on page on page on page on page. So you have all these pages. You have to memorize them, and you have to learn, and you have to know at a split second or you lose your job, okay? That takes intelligence. Now, not everybody's smart, so we'll just put it out there. But the biggest misconception is that people that play football are not smart. Everybody has their strengths and their, their weaknesses. One of mine was that I could learn the, the playbook, and if anybody asked me a question, I could tell them the answer, and I would help them on the field. But I would say that's one of the big biggest misconceptions. So that's one. Um, number two, um, that uh, NFL players don't care about anything else except for football. That's a lie. I know plenty of my friends that have played the game of football – um, that have that are artists. Um, plenty of my friends that have played the game of football um, that are chess experts. I don't know. You know, there's there's so many people think that, that that's all we care about is football. It's not true. Um, I'd say third that we don't make. You know, I'll skip ahead of some other ones, but this one's very relevant. We don't make good business decisions. How about this? Ninety-five percent of people in America don't make good business decisions. <laughs> Okay, uh, it just gets magnified. Okay, how many people know people that are in the startup world that their companies have failed? Someone told me this. Okay, this is a great fact. Um, and this, I'm trying to remember who told me, um, but I'll just. Someone told me this. If you, it's it's better to be the hundredth employee of of a startup business that gets valued at a billion dollars than to start your own business. Because you have a higher chance of you, you're obviously you get, in a lot of people's opinion, you're going to make more money because if you're in the startup world, your company is doomed to fail, right? Ninety five percent, ninety nine percent of startups fail. But if you're the hundredth employee of a billion dollar business, you're going to be more successful. Doesn't that doesn't that blow your mind? That means that a lot of people fail, and it's and I'm basically saying that a lot of people fail just the same in football. A lot of people just fail, but because people talk about it, it gets magnified. Talk more about, uh, as someone was asking before, about sort of concussions and, you know, injuries. And does the game of football, uh, is that just you know, how it's always going to be? Or is there, is there something going to change that can prevent some of these? There's a political answer. There's a personal answer. There's a professional answer. There's so many answers. I will say this. The game of football um, with technology is beginning and has always strived to evolve. There, there are any number of reasons why things don't evolve because there's, you know, there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Um, there's not enough technology that's out there. Um, a lot of people are dissatisfied where things are. There's not a, enough public scrutiny. And maybe right now, all of that is essentially coming to a head, right? So people with ideas and, uh, and, I, and I would say this, um, you know, the, the NFL is investing heavily within technology, I think. Um, but a lot of that, it, a great way to think about it why is Elon Musk so successful right now with SpaceX? Because NASA decided to step outside from the government to the private sector. 
right? And that's why Blue Origin is, is going to do so well. That's why Virgin Galactic is going to do so well. Now, they're all attacking it in, in a very different way. So in the same way, the NFL, some might say they're looking to the private sector to start inventing and to start moving the needle forward so that people can be more successful on the field. And I think right now, one of the companies that we work with, um, well, one of the projects through Proclamation, our creative agency, um, this is when I give a shout out, proclamation.com. All of you have startup companies and you need some creative services um, or was it, you know, you have big businesses, just look up proclamation.com. Okay. So, you know, we work with the NFL, GE, uh, as well as Under Armour with the Head Health Challenge. And that's a, a great program where people uh, from all the way from the Army to Johns Hopkins are looking for ways and innovative approaches to make better helmets so that those impacts don't create those concussions. So, and one of the companies, Under Armour, Under Armour is doing a great job iterating around that. And it takes people from the private sector to create um, amazing products um, because sometimes, you know, that, that mind right now that's up on this board, one of you is going to come up with something that's life-changing and the game of football will, it, it will alter the course of the game of football forever. Do you think there needs to be more education on what people should could do, you know, post football or, or how can the league or, or just society in general help players better plan, you know, for the future? No, no, I think number one, there's a, there's a lot of programs, right? Um, I went to the Harvard program um, with, with the NFL and uh, I think that was, that was awesome. I mean, there's a Stanford program, there's a Michigan program, I believe there's a, there's a Penn program, there's a, there's a couple of different um, schools that you can go to that you can get sort of this, this post-career um, uh, accelerated executive program, right? And there's also money through the NFL and through the NFL Players Association, you can go back to school. So there's plenty of programs. I just think, I think this, I think that people just need to seek out one another and let the egos drop and find ways to work together because there's a lot of, there's a lot of great that can be, a lot of good, sorry, that can be done by, you know, if you're, if you're in college right now and you're in college at the great university of Michigan and you happen to run across one of the players, ask them what they're interested in and get to know them. I think that a lot of times those egos get in the way where I'm working on this, you're working on that. And we never talk, just find ways to intersect and cold call or just bump into people and, and understand that that type of synchronicity or that type of um, relationship just formulate it and go out and create stuff together. So I think there are a lot of programs, as I said before, that are out there for players. I think there are a lot of people that are working on programs that are out there that are for players. Uh, I know that, um, you know, Stephen Ross, he's done a, great, a lot of great things through his related company. I know he's working on some programs as well. Um, the NFL, the NFL Player Association, and there's a lot of other companies. I just talked to a guy today um, who started a company called Higher Purpose, and he's working with um, with the military veterans. And it'd be interesting to see military veterans as they re-enter the marketplace, right? They have to also start thinking outside the box. What are other things do they want to do? And it's very similar to the game of football. You have to start thinking outside of the area of which you've done for so long. Now right. start to diversify yourself. So it takes not just one or two or three. It takes multiple companies. It takes multiple people. It takes a change of mindset. And it takes an openness of thought to help the next person evolve. I, and and, and um, 
and you know, part of the things that I work on too is the reason why I want to create and while I'm creating and while I'm finding different people to work with is that as we build those businesses, personally, I'm investing time and energy in hopefully one day being a pipeline for players to come in and work with me. Right. And then once they decide that they've learned a lot of things through sort of the school of business, right? It's a Goldman Sachs model yeah. that therefore they can move out of that. And then per Richard Branson, great book, born like a virgin. Um, he, he invests in people that are in his company. He right. says, look, if you got an idea in a good British accent, which I can't do very well, which by the way, I sat next to uh, kind of, I hung out with Richard Branson on a Delta flight, by the way, from uh, New York city to, to the UK. That's just like a little buzz. Okay. So anyways, um, so, you know, I want somebody who worked with me that played in the league, that's going to work with me, that's going to learn different aspects and then come to me and say, Hey, I've got an idea to that I'm going to say, Hey, who are the team people? Who are the advisors along the way? What's your business plan? Okay, fine. You have three months to go bring the business plan back. If I like the idea, invest. And if I don't, I don't have to invest. Somebody else will invest. If it fails, you can still come back and work with me. Right. That's how we take care of one another. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. I mean, let's go back to that three-day plan for a second. When you, when you sat down with your you know, mentors and, and advisor, what? Michael Madden, he's the man. He's worked for the Gates Foundation. I mean, wow. the man knows people. Yes. What, what did you learn in, 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 in those three days? Well, I would say, I would say this. Um, what was I thinking? I was thinking a lot. What I didn't think was how to put it on paper. A lot of things look a lot different when they're in your own mind, and a lot of people don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm a person, like, I still keep notes. I still use, um, I, I still use the sticky notes on my, on my, iP um, on my uh, MacBook Pro when I'm, when I'm writing notes. People are like, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, I don't put it into always in a CRM. I just put little sticky notes. So sometimes it's important to take the sticky notes that you have in your mind and put it to a plan on paper so that everybody else that's a part of the world that you're moving into can see the direction because believe it or not, and I know everybody's got their own opinion about, you know, they think everybody gets them. Not everybody gets you, right? Not everybody understands the way that you're thinking. And sometimes you have to put it on paper for people to be able to ask the question because everybody's got a different perspective. And so that was, that was, um, that was one of the most important things uh, that happened over the, over the three days. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Quick anecdote. I've been really impressed with Andre Iguodala in the NFL and the NBA. Uh, but he's come to us and said, like, he wants to meet, you know, awesome, other awesome founders and awesome investors. He wants to get into tech and he wants to get into fashion. And he's kind of building his persona outside of basketball. When you uh, when you talk to, you know, athletes, whether it's NFL players who just retired or are thinking about it, what's the, you know, uh, what's the core advice you give them for how to, uh, you know, build a life outside of football? Well, I go back to before, look at the people that are around you and look at the people that have taken good care of you and be curious. I think that's one piece of life. I mean, it's very simple. It's be curious, ask the question. Don't, um, don't, don't wall yourself off from opportunity because you just don't understand it. Invest time and energy in, in it because that might be a path that you want to go down. That might be something that you might be interested in. Um, talk to people. Identify with those that are around you. Reach out to people. I just, it, it all comes down to a certain level of curiosity because a lot of times 
you know what you know, but you know a lot more of what you don't know. And if you can be humble enough in order to ask people enough questions or to be curious about it, then you can you can, you can find yourself in some very, very um, powerful situations. Yeah. When, when you hear the word success, who comes to mind uh, and why? Success? That's a, that's a good question. So you're just talking about one person? I mean, I'd say, I, I mean, because I just talked about, I just talked about Branson. You know, I'd say success. I mean, here's a guy that just took a chance, didn't have, you know, call. I think he, wait, he was he was selling records out of the back of his car, and you know, you know, going across, you know, country lines and city lines, and I'd say that's sort of like the ultimate entrepreneur's dream, where you knew that a lot of people, you you knew you knew what you wanted to do. A lot of people didn't believe that you're crazy enough to do it, but you did it anyways. And you did it on your own dime and you're okay with the fact that, look, I'm about to go out here and risk it all. I mean, I, I'd say that's a guy that is, is successful. Um, he was in a very uncomfortable situation and he made very uncomfortable decisions that turned out very comfortable for him. But, you know, I would say that's a guy that's successful. I mean, this success is just, there's just so many people that, you know, you look around that you look up to that are successful. Yeah. How has your family, if at all, played a role in your in your life post football? Are they involved in any of your businesses or my family? Yeah. My parents? Yeah. Any, any, any Ah, you know. They're involved. Come on. You gotta talk to your mom, you gotta talk to your dad, you gotta talk you gotta talk to your family. Yeah. Um you know, Are they business people themselves or were, were your parents? Uh, yeah, my, my mom, uh, she was a physician. Um, she was one of the first African American female anesthesiologists. Um, in the military. She was a lieutenant commander and uh, I'm very proud of her. I got to go to her uh, to her retirement party and there was about 500 people there. 500. And which was amazing about that and this goes back to you know what do you want to be known for, right? All the people that were there, uh, large in part people of color, um, had been through the medical world because of her. Because she opened up the opportunity to them, for them um, to go into private practice um, or whether they were working in um, military or whether they were working in, at a hospital. I mean, she provided them the opportunity. And so when I, when I look at what she was able to do, I, I look to myself, I'm like, I hope that many people show up at my retirement party. Yeah. Actually, when I retired from the NFL, there was only 20 people at my retirement party because I went sailing and that was many people that could fit on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so my, you know, my family's, my family's involved. And I think a lot of people say, you know, you want to, you know, don't never get involved in business with your family. I would say yes and no. Um, a lot make, make sure you have in the very front, in the very beginning, um, a list of expectation and what people are supposed to do. If they're not, you know, everything is based on a contract. Get in. What they say? Uh, hire, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. I think that that could be the same way in terms of partnerships too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Take your time on establishing partnerships. When things are not going well, make sure you try to f figure out the best way to get out of it as quick as possible. When did you when know that you were going to make the NFL? That you were like so good? Me? I didn't yeah. even know I was good at football. What? I thought I was just this wily kid that was at Michigan, and then all of a sudden Eric Mays, people call him Zeus. Actually, right now it's Professor or Dr. Eric Mays. Um, a lot of people didn't, you know, I, a lot of people had a different perception of me 
playing the game than I even had of myself. Like I was just out there just having fun, making plays, getting in fights. Oh man, I used to rip people's face mask off. You like that? It was. It was I was in the. Um, I was in the defensive. The defensive um, meeting room. I looked at the play, and I was like, "Man, I'm pretty good." And pr- Professor or Dr. Eric Mays said, um, "He's like, yeah, you're a baller." I was like, well, "I don't even know what that means, baller." I mean, I didn't. I didn't grow up necessarily understanding certain vernacular. I was like, "Baller, baller. What does that mean? I can." <laughs> Hold a ball. <laughs> He's like, no, you're good at football. I was like, oh, yeah, that thing. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I can go play in the league. And got calls and went to the combine, got drafted, and went to New York and, and played for the Giants. And guess who owns the Giants? Yes, a Michigan family. Thank you very much. So that was, that was when I, that's, that's when I knew um, that I wanted to play football. Um, it wasn't something that I had a plan for. Um, but it was something that I was ready for. And I think that's another good piece of advice, right? Um, you're not always going to know what's around the corner, but if you are curious enough um, and you're surrounded by enough good people and you've worked hard enough, you'll be prepared for anything. With, with Martin Luther King happening you know, earlier, uh, Martin Luther King Day, rather, where, where is the state of, and you mentioned, you know, uh, where is the state of kind of race in America right now? Ooh. That's a heavy question. Heavy. I'd say um, that along with so many other things um, was at a critical point where, you know, never before have we had so much information and so much knowledge and been made aware of so many injustices in the world, right? For a long time, things could go swept underneath the rug and people would never be the wiser because there wasn't amazing things like technology and the great work that people have have done online and people have done off, offline. You know, some of your friends have worked on some amazing um, businesses that have changed the game. I mean, when you have Obama, you have the White House going out to talk to those at Apple and trying to figure out, okay, we need your help. I mean, that's changing the game, right? Um, but it also lets you know that there's a lot of information that's out there. And so going back to your question, where, where are we? I think we're at a pivotal point. I mean, uh, people are upset. Um, people are um, fired up to make change happen. And change has to occur in, in multiple different ways. And, and, and I, 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 by far, do not know all the ways. Number one, they have to change with you and I. Okay, that's one. Um, number two... Um, they have to change uh, policy. I mean, uh, they have to change through business and they have to change through capital. And, and the thing about it, and they have to change through social. And, and, and the thing about it is those are five, five ways they need to change out of 5,000. Right. And only when all those 5,000 truly come together does change actually happen. Now, if you think about it from a um, Ray Kurzweil perspective, yes, I did just drop Ray Kurzweil. Thank you very much. Um, and, and you think about synchronicity and you, and you think about um, where things actually, you know, if we look back, say one of us is fortunate enough to live 200 years from now, which who knows, maybe it's possible because someone tomorrow could come up with this way that you can live for 200 years. Would this moment or would this past year or even this year moving forward be sort of that, that moment or that singular, the point of singularity, right? Where everything essentially just flipped. 
right? Where technology provided information and information provided power and, and power created commerce and commerce created capital and capital changed policy. Right. And then all of a sudden we got to, uh, you know, we got to a better place. I don't know. Um, but things do have to change. And um, it's just terrible because, I, I mean, I live in Ohio, so stuff happened in Cleveland. I mean, I'm, I'm from Baltimore. I know what happened there, you know, in Minnesota. I mean, there's so many different places that have so many um, things that are going on. And just think, of all the places that we know of racial injustice, there are thousands of places that we don't know. Right. And there's a tension between, you know, uh, Jesse Williams from the actor from Grey's Anatomy was saying that a lot of, you know, uh, you know, celebrities and athletes have this tension between wanting to speak up, but at the same time, not wanting to risk sort of, uh, you know, their business involvement, you know, because people may not, you know, businesses may not want to support people who are uh, too vocal. Do, do you, do you feel that tension? Is that? No, I would say it's uh, my coach Lloyd Carr from Michigan. He always said at some point you have to um, plant their feet, stand your ground and make a, make a statement about who you are and what you believe in. Right. You know, who wants to hang out with the person that just rides the fence the entire day? Get off the fence. Here's some other advice. Get off the fence and have an opinion. Get off the get off the fence and stand up for something, right? Regardless of what it is, just take a position. You know, they say it all the time. You know, I do some TV TV shows, and when I do uh, stuff on CNN, they're like, you got to take a position. We don't want you out here if you're flip-flopping. You know, if you watch Fox News, CNN, if you watch MSNBC, they all have a position. If you watch uh, TNT, if you watch NBC, if you watch ESPN, you know, across the board, they all have a position. Take a position on something that you believe in. So, yeah, there's, there's always going to be people that may not like you. Maybe you don't really want to do business with them in the first place. And at the end of the day, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out, you know, and just ruffle things up a little bit. It's fun that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh you have any asks of the product and audience? How can the entrepreneurs and investors here help, uh, you know, what you're working on or do you, you know, or any advice or parting words you want to parting, parting words or advice? Oh man. Um, let's see. Parting words, words or advice. Uh, I have so much. Okay. Number one, be curious. I think you can never be curious enough. There's so many things that you can change that you can work on that you can be a part of in this world. And if you're not curious enough, the impact that you were so strong, strongly um, wanting to happen may pass you by. Be curious. Um, with that also being said, be open. I think we live in a world where we're so open, but at the same time, we're so close. We spend so much time on our phone that we run into people that are walking right into us, that are walking right, right in front of us. It's amazing. I was walking into Starbucks the other day. Yes, I did just talk about Starbucks. I love their flat white, whatever. Um, and this girl was on her phone and she was walking towards me. I knew she was going to hit me. I said, look up. So be curious and be open. Put the technology away sometimes in order to just recognize the world that's around you. It's kind of funny. It's like, I'm a runner. Not really, but I think I am. I have this vision of me running like an ultra marathon. If anybody wants to run an ultra marathon, reach out to me. I'll run with you. Or just help me through it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's like when you run. All right. So when you drive around town, you see the world only in one way. But when you run, you see the world in a completely different way. 
And it's the same thing when you put your phone down and you look around, you see things in a completely different way. And it's because you're open. So be curious and be open. Um, that's two forms of advice. And I say third, um, I don't want to say, I, I just came up with it, embrace the haters, but I don't think that's right. Because I think haters is, a, I don't think people use that word anymore. I think I'm very past my time. <laughs> but I, haters I think they embrace the haters. Yeah, it's oh. like, there's, there's going to be a lot of people, if you're curious and you're open enough, that, sh that shoot you down. Um, and there's, been, there's a lot of people that will be around you that say that you can't do it. Um, and I think someone gave me the quote. Oh, this is a great, great quote. You never saw planes always take off into the wind. Woo! Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Planes out. I didn't get any high fives because of it. Planes always take off going into the wind. Get it? Because you need lift. Lift comes from an opposing force. That opposing force are people that say that you can't do it. So when someone says you can't do it, that should just provide more air and more lift, more buoyancy. Bernoulli's principle. Yes, I did just drop Bernoulli's principle. Thank you very much. Okay. Lift. Uh, give us about lift. that Lloyd Carr gave you. That man, he, he seemed like a smart guy. Oh, man, Lloyd Carr. I'll tell you, how about a, a story? So Lloyd Carr provided me probably the most amount of lift ever because he told my mom that I probably should just walk on. And then my mom said, well, you know, if he's not going to walk on here. He's probably going to just end up going to the University of Washington, and then he'll come back and beat you guys in the Rose Bowl. Because my son has pretty much like this chip on his shoulder, right? So then he somehow, in this conversation with my mother, gives me a scholarship. And we go play in the Rose Bowl, national championship, University of Michigan against Washington State, albeit. But how ironic, synchronistic that was. So I would say this, like, he gave me a lot of advice in my life, but he gave me the biggest resistance that I fought through and that I allowed that to be the jumping off point because albeit, you know, my parents gave me a tremendous upbringing. I've had a lot of great experiences, but going back to Michigan and you know, as well as I do, it's the greatest university in the world. And to be able to play football there provided me a great opportunity to learn not only about the game, uh, but most importantly about life and myself. And that even so allowed me more opportunity to be more curious and more open and to know that um, embrace the haters. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, Somebody's got to do it. And I'm willing to put the time and energy into doing it. Awesome. Cool. Well, Dahani, I want to respect your, your time, man. I know you got a ton of stuff to do. I appreciate it, man. This has been awesome. I'm so happy that I was able to... And, Check, check out keycapital.com. I mean, that's people find you. So you can check out keycapital.com. Our creative agency is proclamation.com or vmgcreative.com. Um, don't forget, you know, if you're involved in the nonprofit space, um, Bowtie Cause, uh, bowtiecause.com. And if you're reaching out to me uh, on Twitter, it's Dahani Jones. If you're on Instagram, um, that's D double O five seven because you know I'm gonna be the first black James Bond. Forget Idris Elba, I'll be the first. You black could be the first black. You, you got the James Bond. D double O five seven. So check that out. Um, but you know, just don't forget, open, curious, embrace the haters. Know that um, no airplane takes off. Every airplane takes off into the wind. Perfect. If you don't, if, if you don't forget that, 
um, everybody's going to be flying together. And when uh, speaking of that, when you come to San Francisco, uh, come hang with us. Eric, I'll check you, check you later. Peace, Donnie. I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye.